Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who has to have chocolate in any dessert that he has. His name is Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. That was a good intro. See, chocolate is, is, is one of the best. It's good for the just the human life, okay? If you don't like chocolate, honestly, I don't even trust Good for the much. soul. Crazy. Yeah, it's good for the soul. It's great for the soul. And, of course, another man who, who just loves chocolate. I don't know quite as much as I do, but definitely a, a good amount is, of course, um, everyone's favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing well. I would say I like chocolate, Brandon, but I think you could argue that there are some very good desserts without chocolate. For example, it's at Thanksgiving time. You don't like pumpkin pie, Brandon? I think pumpkin pie is no, delicious. And I'm not a pumpkin fan at all, but I think around Thanksgiving, I'm all for a nice uh, big old slice of pumpkin pie. That's no chocolate, and I think it gets by just fine as a quality dessert. Even without I will say the, my, uh, chocolate. My girlfriend has put me on to the pumpkin spice like scones from uh, Starbucks. Highly recommend those. Those are really, really solid for sure. But we have a great episode planned uh, for today as always. So let's get right into it. We had a big move in the NBA, uh, a big trade. Um, we got John Wall and a 2023 first round pick uh, from the Wizards going to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook. Um, so obviously two big players on enormous contracts. Um, so, you know, Trevor, I normally will throw this to you, but I want to start off today. I'm going to start off with this. I don't think both teams, I think both teams lost in this trade. I don't think any team's a real winner. Both players are way past their primes. They're not nearly as good as they were many years ago. Um, they have enormous contracts. I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't see this being, you know, a huge difference. Um, maybe, you know, Russell is slightly better, um, and maybe you'll be able to help with Bradley Beal a little bit, but I don't know. I don't see them winning because of this trade. Um, and to me, I just don't like this trade that much at all. Yeah, I give you know both teams in the C range of a grade. But Trevor, let's pass it on to you. You'll have more insight than I will. What do you think about this trade? Yeah, okay. So I, I don't think either team I, – I think for the most part I'd probably agree with you. I don't think any either team really won this necessarily. Um, based on what you're looking at, you know, the Wizards get Westbrook in turn for John Wall and a first-round pick. So the first-round pick, it's in 2023. Um, that potentially could be the double draft if the the rule change happens in college basketball where uh, no longer certain players have to go to college basketball for one year and play one season. That, that potentially could be that draft, which would make that draft stronger, which it's like, okay, so that potentially could be a good pick. Um, for the Rockets. So that's good that they got a pick. However, I think they should have tried to pull out maybe another pick. I think if you're getting um, John Wall, someone who, or you're, it's not like a positive, you're, you're basically uh, relieving, uh, relieving the Wizards of not having to have John Wall's contract um, because John Wall played in zero games this past season. He played in 32 games the year before and 41 games the year before that. So John Wall has not played 50 games since the 2016-2017 season. Um, he is just very unreliable. And, and John Wall, uh, he's a very talented player. We saw like when he was at his peak in like the 2015-2016 season, even the, the following season, you know, he had some good playoff runs, um, you know, some good games against the Celtics. He's a very talented player, and he's had some good moments. But in the last three years, he's just been very unreliable. And even if you want to argue like, um, that John Wall might be as good as Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook actually like is on the court for games. He actually like plays in them. Like he has his jersey on. He's actually on the floor. Um, so by that, def- that's a good by job, that, um, Russell Westbrook is much more 
reliable, and thus he is definitely a player uh, that I would much rather have on my team than John Wall. So I think for the Rockets, they should have tried to get another pick out of this, considering we don't know when John Wall is going to play. Um, or I mean, he might play to start the season, but we don't know if he'll get re-injured again. We know he's had some Achilles injuries in the past, so we don't know. It's very unreliable. Um, and then for the Wizards, I think like getting Russell Westbrook... Again, it's a bad contract. It kind of limits them, and they're not going to be a contender with the team they have, right? Because they have this kind of this core of now Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, and you could argue like Bertans, who just got like a pretty big contract, who's kind of had a good year this past year. So that's like their big three, I guess, per se. And that big three really has a ceiling of like, to me, like a six seed, which isn't a contender. So like, even if the Wizards get like a six or a seven seed, they win like 40 games, 42 games okay, they're definitely better than they were last year, but still not making them a contender, and it won't make them a contender um, really ever with Russell Westbrook on this team. Now, you could look at it, and you could pull out a silver lining, which is Russell Westbrook coming to the Wizards, showing that they can at least win a little bit, can maybe uh, help Bradley Beal stay when his contract ends, Um it doesn't absolutely guarantee that he can he'll stay with the Wizards. He still might leave, but I think it higher it increases the chances that he'll stay because they will win more. So in that sense, I think the Wizards are more the winners than the Rockets are, but it's not by much because neither of these teams are in great situations right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I find it interesting that Harden wanted Wall. It seemed like and there was reports that he wanted Wall. Do you have anything you want to add on that? That Harden would want him over Russ? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if it's true or not. So it's hard to really say. If so, it doesn't make any sense because, like I said before, he hasn't played many games and his injury history is bad. So don't know if it's true, but I don't. I don't agree with that at all. To be honest. Yes, 100%. Uh, ben, any, any thoughts you want to add in on this trade? So I was trying for so long to think, like, who would be a winner in this in this trade? Would the Rockets have won? Would the Wizards have won? And honestly, Brandon, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't really think either team won because I don't really think John Wall or Russell Westbrook are that great. And, I mean, you guys just talked about it, but um, I, I really don't know. And I looked up an article that was talking about who the winners are of this trade, and it, had, it gave, like, a bunch of winners, and none of them were either the Rockets or the Wizards. It would be like – the Thunder one because they got rid of Chris Paul and they have all these draft picks and it was explaining how all these different teams actually won and neither one of the two teams involved in this trade actually won the trade. Um, so I, I really don't even think either team wins. Like, I, I don't know. I don't like the trade. I mean, both teams are now inheriting massive contracts. They both essentially have the same contract where they're getting paid over 40 mil for two, three years. So I don't know. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say because I don't really understand the trade that much. I mean, maybe you could say that the Rockets won because they got a first-round draft pick out of it, but... I don't know. It's just it's a very interesting trade. I really didn't see it coming. It kind of threw me, um, it threw me off a little bit when I got the notification the other day, just because I was I was like, "There's no way I'm reading that right." Like it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I feel like, and obviously I'm not an expert on either one of these teams. I'm not a fan of either one of these teams, um, so I would not. I don't want to speak for these fan bases because maybe they are happy or sad about it. But from my perspective as a casual fan, I really don't understand it, and I don't really think either team. Um, came out of it extremely successful. Yeah, and I think real quick, I'll just add one more thing. I think part of the reason why we can all look at this and say like, well, it really doesn't make a ton of sense for either team is that um, these are like, the Wizards were probably the only team that was willing to trade for Russell, Russell Westbrook and the Rockets were probably the only team that was willing to take John Wall's contract. So 
I think both of their options were limited and they just kind of said, eh, let's, let's try something different. And I think that's really the extent of it. Yeah, they definitely were both of the teams limited in their options just because the contracts are so enormous for players that don't live up to it. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how these players do on new teams. So, Trevor, I'm going to stick with you, stick in the NBA. We had the full schedule released. Is there anything you're looking forward to with this schedule? Yeah, so definitely a lot of interesting matchups. Um, obviously, you know, we have, we have a lot to get through with health and safety guidelines and stuff, and it'll be interesting to see what right. develops in the coming weeks. But there are a lot of interesting games I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, on opening night, we got the Warriors and the Nets. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. Kevin Durant, you know, facing off against the Warriors again. Definitely a game I'm looking forward to on opening night, December 22nd. Uh, and then the Clippers and Lakers we get in, in the, the following game that same night. So, obviously, that'll also be a good game. Games we're looking forward to. Uh, Christmas Day, I guess, is just another thing. Quickly, you could look at some of the games that we got there. We got, like, Lakers-Mavs. I think that'll be fun. Um, you know, and, and we got some others as well. So yeah, there's definitely some interesting games. I would, I would have liked to see a um, Lakers Nets Christmas Day game. I thought that would have been really interesting to see Kevin Durant go against LeBron and see that, and also Kyrie go against LeBron. I thought that would have been really fun, and even Heat and Celtics again. But we'll, we'll get those matchups regardless, even if they aren't on Christmas Day. So definitely some games to look forward to, and it'll be interesting. So, Ben, I, I'm going to throw you a little, little bit of a curveball question. Obviously, besides the Lakers, what team are you most excited to watch and why? Oh, it's got to be the Brooklyn Nets, right? I mean, I just, I'm just i so interested. There's so many reasons why. I mean, obviously, Kevin Durant coming back from this, this terrible injury that people always say you're never the same mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, Kyrie obviously missed a whole lot of the season. I, I'm so excited to watch them play together because they're, they're both really fun to watch. I actually um, I enjoy watching both of them. I don't necessarily like them as players, but I enjoy watching their game. Um, I've never, I guess I could say I, they've always been, kind of been, or at least Kevin Durant has been a threat to LeBron recently. So I've never, I didn't like that he went to the Warriors. I didn't like the way Kyrie left Cleveland. But as players, they're fun to watch. I do like the way they play. They're extremely fun to watch. Yeah. So together, I think it'll be awesome. And on top of that, I mean, come on, you got Steve Nash as a first-time head coach with, with D'Antoni as his assistant coach. Like, that's just so interesting to me. I'm so excited. I'm going to be trying to watch everything I can behind the scenes of what practices are like there. I know this year we might not be able to get a whole lot of behind the scenes access, but I'm so interested to see like like is Steve Nash really going to be the head coach or is he just basically like the face of the team and D'Antoni's the head coach? Like there's just so many storylines of this team. Um, I'm so excited to watch. I'm so happy that their first games against the Warriors just cuz I I am I'm, I'm can't wait to watch that game. I think it's going to be awesome. Obviously the Warriors don't have Clay again, but um, the Warriors now have James Wiseman and Curry's back. I think it'll be an awesome game to watch. So definitely the Brooklyn Nets. I, I mean, I can't even think of another team that, that jumps out to me that I'm more excited to see just because the Brooklyn Nets are such a big question mark. Last year didn't really count. It was kind of like a throwaway year for them. So I just I can't wait yeah. to see what, what they do this year. It's going to be extremely exciting. Yeah, honestly, that was the team I probably would have said. I would have said the Nets is because they got all their guys back and they should be healthy. It'll be very interesting to watch them. Um, but to wrap up uh, Small Talk today, we're going to go to Small Talk Trivia. Is where we Trevor and I ask each other trivia questions. Pretty self-explanatory. What well, what is our current scoreboard? I think it's still the same from the previous week, right? Yeah, I think we've both been uh, missing a lot recently, and the score is still thirty-seven to thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a pretty difficult question for you today. Um, of course, I always get my questions from the the uh, great Ben O'Brien, um, and. This is a tough one for sure. This is going to be a difficult one. So I, I'm actually going to offer uh, two points for the the answer. I, I think. Ben, do you think that's it's it's definitely worth I think another 
another point. I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm all for Trevor getting as many points as possible to get a, to get a lead in this little uh, series. So give Trevor as many points as you want, Brandon. Okay, well, now that I kind of want to put it back down to one, but I'll keep it at two. So here's the question for you, Trevor. It's an NFL question. Uh, we just saw Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, beat Lamar Jackson and my Ravens on Wednesday night. Uh, not very fun for me to watch. Well, I guess Lamar Jackson didn't play because the whole team didn't play. But you know what? I'll talk about that in another episode about the uh, the dumpster fire of a season we've been having. Um, but who is the only other quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger to win a game played on a Wednesday? And this dates back uh, to 1966. So it's 1966 and onward. So it's not before that year. And I will even give you a clue here, which I guess this kind of takes the whole year thing away. It was during our lifetime. Okay, the only other quarterback to win a game on a Wednesday. Yep. Okay. So, in what situ- So first I have to think about, in what situation would a game have been played on a Wednesday? Because I know that I personally can't think of any uh, instance off the top of my head where I remember a game being played on a Wednesday before in my lifetime, before this one. So, I mean, you know, if you're thinking about it logically, you would think, well, something weird would have had to happen or something tragic would have had to happen. So it could have been like, okay, so like, um, you you could think back to like 9-11, for example, and you could say, well, like, okay, were, were games canceled around that time? I don't really remember. I mean, it's, I was young. I was like, three years old so i don't remember to be honest with you if any games were canceled or what happened i don't like i I don't think they were so i and and then besides that trying to think of other ways where a wednesday game may have happened uh, it's it's so tough um it's in our lifetime but it's not like I'm not coming up with anything where this could make sense. So it might be a shot in the dark here. Um, you did say it was a tough question. It, it certainly is. Um, I wonder. I wonder if anyone listening would have this answer because if so, that's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it, this would be very impressive. This is a very very difficult question. Okay, so a quarterback who won it, the last quarterback who won a game on a Wednesday. Would you like another clue? Because I do feel like this is very difficult. I, I'd be glad to give you one more clue. I mean, sure. <laughs> um, this quarterback, uh, I believe, played his whole career with one team. Is that correct, Ben? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, this quarterback. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he played his, his whole time with one team. Played his whole time with one team. Yep. And it happened in our lifetime. Okay. Yes, played his entire career with one team. Okay, so uh, just going through the different options, there's a lot of these top quarterbacks here who have have been on different teams, obviously. Like all like all the top ones. I mean, like Aaron Rodgers has been on the same team, obviously. So he's one that I can think of, I guess. But he's played since about 2004, 2005-ish, around there. Um, like Eli Manning, another option. I don't know. At this point, you really just got to think about like different quarterbacks that I would know because if I'm trying to, you know, go before that, it, it just gets more difficult. So, Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, um, the they played for a while. Ben Roethlisberger is another one. The, those are like three prime, three prime um, possible answers. So Ben, Rodgers, 
Eli. Um, I'm just going to go with one of them, and I'm just going to go with my gut here, and I'm just going to say that, uh, yeah, I have no clue where this would have happened. I'm going to say that it was Eli Manning, but I have no idea. So that is not correct, but it's not overly far off because this quarterback played against Eli Manning in that game. It's actually Tony Romo. It happened September 5th, uh, 2012. Um, so, you know, it, it honestly was not that bad of a guess, um, in, in Eli Manning. I, I, I do like the guess, but, you know, no points for you today. 2012. But it was a difficult question. Do you know why it was played on a Wednesday by chance? Uh, Ben, do you know? I do, yeah. So it was an election year, so it was the fir- it was the kickoff game, the first game of the year, um, because the Giants were the defending Super Bowl champions, so they get the first game. Typically it's on a Thursday night, but Obama was giving his like Democratic National Convention speech on that Thursday, so they bumped the game up to the Wednesday before it, so that they weren't oh. playing during Obama's speech that Thursday night. So they okay. kicked off the NFL season on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday that year. Very interesting to hear. Gotcha. Very okay. interesting. All right, Trevor, what question you got for me today? All right, so it's funny because because my my question also relates to well not Ben but the Steelers. It relates to this year's Steelers team. Now, Fun. Uh, the Steelers are 11-0, obviously. It's not necessarily the, the greatest thing for us who do not like the Steelers. But nevertheless, uh, the Steelers are one of, let's see, they are one of 12 teams that have started 11-0 in this Super Bowl era. There are only two teams in our lifetime that have started 11-0 and have gone on to win the Super Bowl. One of them is the Denver Broncos. In 1998, that would then win the Super Bowl in 1999, obviously, um, over the Falcons. Now, my question is, who is the other team in our lifetime to win a Super Bowl after starting 11-0? Okay. I'm trying to think of the good teams that the the Patriots that went 16-0 did not win. Um... Shoot, I think I know the answer. It's on the tip of my tongue. There was the Packers team that did really good. The Panthers won a lot of games that one year. The Saints won a lot of games. Um, The Saints, when they won, I think it might be the Saints when they won. Because the Panthers didn't win that year, obviously. I think it might be the Saints. I don't remember how many games they won in total, but I th- I'm i going to go with the Saints because that's the only thing that's come to my mind in who won. Is it the only other team I thought it would have been would have been the Patriots, but maybe they didn't go 11-0. I'll, I'll go with the Saints. I'm, I'm like 70% confident it's the Saints, give or take. Okay, so that is correct. It is the New Orleans Saints. Let's go. Now, the, the New Orleans Saints, in 2009, they started off 13-0. They would then go on to lose their next three games, so they finished 13-3. But, you know, nevertheless, they started 11-0. They went 13-0. And then they uh, won the Super Bowl over the Colts. And actually, in that same year, the Colts also started uh, 14-0, actually, that same year. So you had two teams. Oh, wow. They were undefeated for a while, met in the Super Bowl, and the Saints beat the Colts. Very, very interesting. I don't think the Steelers will have the same fate. But let's move on to uh, the randomly ranked segment. Of course, this is where we take a completely random topic and rank it. And I, I want to say I'm very sorry to everyone out there. 
I forgot randomly ranked uh, last episode. That is my mistake. I'm very sorry, but I think we have a good one here today. Um, the NBA, a lot of the teams just recently released their City Edition jerseys. So uh, I'll, I'll link it in the uh, episode description so you guys can take a look at all 30 of the teams. I think it's 30. Yeah, 30 teams. Uh, they're, they're City Edition jerseys, but we're going to go through our top three favorites. Um, so I'm actually going to start off today. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, I'll start off today. So my no, I have no honorable mentions. This is my top three. My number three is going to be the Warriors. Uh, I like the Oakland with the blue, the yellow, the red. Um, I, I think the lettering looks really, really neat. Um, so I put that one at three. Um, now, two and one, to me, are a little bit separated. I, I think, honestly, all three are separated. Three is very far from two and very far from one. I, I love number one. Number one is my favorite one. But number two, I'm going to have to go with the Denver Nuggets. I love, like, the little cityscape in the background the, with the red and, like, that yellowish-orange. Um, it looks super cool. The jersey is a little bit bright. I wouldn't necessarily buy it myself, um, but I do like, like, the city in the background. And the number one, which I think this one's by far the best one, is the Suns jersey. Uh, the one with the valley. It has the whole, like, uh, skyline, similar to the Denver Nuggets in the background uh, with the various different colors. The jersey looks so clean. I love the lettering on it. So that one has to be the number one. Um, Trevor, I'm going to go over to you next. What, what are your top three city edition jerseys this year in the NBA? Okay, so I actually have none of those teams in my top three. So be interesting oh to hear what you have to say about my picks. All right, so I'm going to start it off at number three with the San Antonio Spurs jersey. Now, the thing that I really like about this is the Kurt is like the lettering. I think the font is probably the best font out of all of these jerseys. I really like uh, the San Antonio font there. You got like the old school, you know, like the, the three stripes, the pink, the orange, and then like the, the teal, or I don't, I don't know what you would call that color, but the old school, you got the nice font. Um, and, and there's also, for me, there's a theme. I think it's very hard to make a great jersey when it doesn't have like one of this, like either like a black or a white or even like a gray background. Like to me, like the bright colors, like when like red, a solid red is the base of a jersey. I think it makes it harder for it to be like a top tier jersey or like a, or any other color, blue. I think usually a lot of times the best ones are the one that has like a, like a white or a black or even like a gray base. Yeah, and then they have neutral cool color. things. More neutral color, exactly. So that's the theme of my top three here. Spurs really liked it. Number two, I went with the Orlando Magic. Now this one, I also like, I kind of, I, I like like the placement of the star with the, the Orlando and like the, the goldish color. I think that's really neat. It has like the little, the skinny stripes there. It, it has like a little bit of an old school feel to it as well with the font. So I really like that one. And then at number one, I'm going to finish off with the Toronto Raptors jersey. I think the Raptors one is really clean. Um, I love, you know, that base, like, dark gray with, like, the gold, like, kind of on the outside of the, the sleeves. You got the Toronto. I also love that font with, like, the line under it. I think the number's super clean, so I love the Toronto Raptors jersey. I think it is the best of them all. Okay, definitely some interesting takes. It's very interesting, Trevor. I don't think you were here, but Ben and I were trashing the Orlando Magic jersey uh, beforehand, so it's oh. interesting you had it at two. <laughs> ben, let's hear your top three favorite. So this is an interesting randomly ranked because we all kind of went different directions here. I don't think I have – the three I have, I don't think have been said yet. Um, really? Maybe. I don't I, – may, I was kind of looking at what I had already, so I was, I was kind of listening to what you guys had to say, so I'm familiar, but maybe I missed one. But I'm pretty sure that the three I have have not been said yet. 
Um, Brandon, I was before the podcast. I was trying to guess what you said. There was a clear number one, and you said the Suns. And I was trying to guess, and I I put them as an honorable mention. I didn't put it in there because I don't like the pixelation of it. I just I don't necessarily like the whole pixelated thing. I think it's cool that it says the Valley, but I just like I, I didn't feel they were worthy in my top three because I didn't like the pixelation on them. Um, but that that actually I put them as an honorable mention. My number three, I actually put, and part of the reason why is because I think this is one of the greatest cities of all time. I put the Chicago Bulls at number three. Um, I like I just think that. And a lot of what I did is I'm reading this ESPN article where it talks about the reasoning why they why these jerseys look yeah. like this, and I just think the Bulls are cool. They have their, their font it like kind of represents the signage at the United Center, and on the side they have these different lines that represent the Art Deco uh, um, architecture of Chicago. So I just think that's a cool kind of way to represent the city of Chicago. My number two, I put the the Houston Rockets. I actually think theirs are really cool, and if you look at theirs, they have like it's like kind of like a baby blue with the red. And what they did is they they kind of modeled it after the old Houston Oilers football uniforms, which I thought was really cool. It has the white and the red stripe on the waist that kind of represents the stripe that was on the sleeves of the Oilers uniforms. So I just thought that was kind of cool that they're they're kind of um, you know paying respect to the Houston Oilers that used to be there. So I put them at my number two, and my number one, Brandon. I actually I really like this one, and I I thought for sure you'd have this one on here. It's the Sacramento Kings. I think the Sacramento Kings have a really cool uniform. Um, I think it's cool. It says Sacktown on them. I just think the, the black and the red and the baby blue, I think they just go really well together. Um, I just think all around it's a really nice uniform. It looks really clean. It's Nothing really stands out. There's nothing that, that really bothers me about it. It's just very smooth. It looks good. Um, so, yeah, the Sacramento Kings have to be my number one. I really am surprised, Brandon, that and Trevor, that none of us really had any similarities between where we were going with these rankings. We all kind of went our own way. It is it is very very interesting. I'm I, I'm also quite surprised that really there was no I think there was no overlap really at all. Yeah, uh, which is very interesting. I also I also, um, I don't move- yeah I don't think like either of you had like terrible picks either. Like there's there's a few that stood out as being completely terrible, and I don't think any of us yeah, picked some like Oklahoma there. City is absolutely abysmal, and none of you picked that, so that's a good thing. Uh, I think Orlando's is pretty bad, and you somehow picked that. <laughs> Yeah, Orlando is bad. I, I liked the, it. The Cavs is bad too. The Cavs is very yeah, bad. Yeah, the Cavs the Cavs did not do a good job with theirs either. I will say I love uh, Atlanta's MLK jersey. I love that one. I almost put that one in my top three. That would have been my honorable mention if I had to throw one in there. Uh, and the Sacktown one I like a lot too, Ben. But I don't know. I thought my three were better. Let's move on to some college basketball topics. So Trevor, we've had some upsets. Why don't you break us down some college basketball? Yeah, so we've had a it's it's been an interesting start of the season. Uh, there's been some really good moments, it's been some bad moments. Unfortunately, the Baylor and Gonzaga game got canceled yesterday, which is unfortunate, but not totally unsurpri- unsurprising. We knew that you know some things like this were going to happen, but um, I'm going to start off first. Uh, we had some upsets. We saw, and we didn't talk about this last week, but Virginia, first of all, who started off being ranked in the top ten, they lost to San Francisco. And uh, a very close game. We had we had them get upset. We had Kentucky lose to Richmond by 12 points. And, and Richmond's not, like, that bad of a team. I don't even think San Francisco's that bad either. But it's interesting to see uh, some of these upsets. Uh, we got Villanova, who lost to Virginia Tech. Maybe they end up being good, but, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. Uh, you have Michigan State almost losing to Detroit. Kansas had a, had a scare. So, Ben, I'm going to go to you just in general. Because um, I, I didn't watch a lot of these games, but what, what do you think about all these early upsets uh, so far in college basketball? So, and I've watched a lot of basketball games, uh, college basketball games since the season started. I think a big theme I'm seeing here, and you've heard this from coaches throughout the whole offseason, was a lot of these teams just aren't nearly as prepared for this season as they usually are because they've had 
such little practices and such little time together as a team because all these restrictions and a lot of them have been shut down for multiple weeks at a time. So you hear a lot of these coaches, and maybe this is just an excuse, but I actually think that's part of the reason is a lot of these coaches, they just haven't had time. These teams aren't nearly as good as they usually are to start the season because they just haven't had as much time together um, as they usually do. Not enough time to, to these freshmen that are coming in to develop them the way that usually would when they come in in you know June or July in the summer. Um, working on new different lineups, seeing what what meshes well together, what players mesh well together, what players don't. Um, I just think I think teams are – it's just different. I mean, obviously pl- not playing in front of fans has a big impact on a lot of teams. You saw Michigan State going to Duke and really handle them with little problem. And I mean, if you're going to Duke, usually you're not – um, you know, kicking Duke's butt from 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 start to finish because their fans make such an impact. So I think the fans have a lot to do with it. I think the limited amount of practices, this whole it's just weird. It's players they got a lot going on in their heads. They still got school virtually to worry about. I just think it's a lot to handle, and and I think what it has kind of done is it's kind of even the playing field to to a certain extent. Obviously, you're going to have teams that are way better than other teams. That's just how it works when there's 350 something teams. You're going to have a big despair between the best and the worst but I think in general the gap is a little bit smaller than it usually is because it's just different there's a lot that a lot that these teams have to deal with and a lot of it is less practice less time together as a whole your schedule's different you don't have as much time to prepare for games because a lot of times you're scheduling a game that you're playing in 48 hours just because you need to get a game in so I think there's a lot of a lot of things that have kind of made this college basketball season extremely unique and I'm just super excited to see where it goes from here because um, we got a whole year of this, a whole year of this kind of scheduling fiasco and it, it, games getting canceled left and right and how, how fast can you make up a game and get as many games in as you can to prove that you're worthy of receiving a, a bid to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, I think there was a lot of good things ahead, uh, said there because I, I kind of agree. Like There haven't been a lot of teams that have really impressed me this year. Um, really the only two, I think, Gonzaga and Baylor are the, are the two that seem like they're probably better than the rest. And then I've also been like impressed by West Virginia because they're my favorite team. I've watched them a few times. I think Iowa has looked good, even though they're not really playing anyone. I think they're good. But outside of like maybe those four, I mean, like Houston's been pretty good, I guess you could argue. But some of these other top teams like Duke um, hasn't impressed me. Uh, Wisconsin, I don't think, has been that great. Kansas, I've watched them in a couple games. They just really don't look very good to me right now. Um, you, you know, Virginia, like we said before, Kentucky, they, they've lost uh, a few games. So a lot of these teams that are supposed to be like top-tier teams um, haven't been all that impressive. So I think it goes into a little bit of the you know preparation. But I just want to go through like two games in particular really quickly, um, and then we'll get into the NFL stuff. The first one I'm going to start with because I know uh, you know this this was one of the probably the best game of the week maybe, um, or at least you know two uh, high teams, and that was the Gonzaga and West Virginia game. Now. I, I thought that Gonzaga would win this, but I was like, you know what, there's a chance. There's a chance that West Virginia could win this with the way we play, our relentless defense. We're a very experienced team. I think there's a chance we can uh, beat Gonzaga. And we came up short, but we came very close, and I was still impressed with the way we played. But I think one of the, the things, is as many good things as West Virginia does well, um, like one, they have one of the better defenses. You know, it's not so much of the, like, full-court press as it used to be. It's more just, like, really solid half-court defense. We have guys uh, constantly, they're stepping in. Rotations help defense. Uh, like Gabe Osaboyan, a really player who, you know, isn't talked about a lot, but 
super great, like rotating in on, on defense, just super solid. And then you have one of the best front courts in the country with Oscar Shibwe and Derek Culver, both been very solid. And then you have like, uh, you know, a young star, Miles McBride, who can, you know, do a like very good score, good defensively. And the system just really works with Bob Huggins, um, obviously is one of the better coaches that we have in college basketball. But one of the things that you worry about is like the foul trouble. Oscar Shibwe did foul out in this game late um, because Gonzaga also has a really good front court and they're very capable of scoring the ball in so many different ways that it puts you in a lot of positions where you, you know you, you kind of have to give up fouls sometimes and that did end up hurting West Virginia at the end. Shibwe went off. Gonzaga ended up winning after it was really uh, back and forth up until that point. Gonzaga ended up closing it out but I thought this game was really interesting. I was happy with what I saw from West Virginia, but Gonzaga is very good. I mean, like we talked about before, so much experience. And in addition, they have like a really good freshman, Jalen Suggs. They have a good transfer, Andrew Nemhard, that comes off the bench, which again is crazy. Um, but Ben, you, you also watched some of this game. What were some of your thoughts on it? I, I tell you, Trevor, my big takeaway is that Gonzaga is awesome. Uh, I think Gonzaga is the clear number one team in this country. They're they're just so good. They're so deep. Obviously, they have their stud in Jalen Suggs. But even when he gets hurt, like we saw in the West Virginia, Virginia game, they got other players that step up. They're an extremely deep team. I've been so so impressed with with what Mark Few has done, obviously in his whole career, but especially this year. Um, and I told you, Trevor, like a couple of days ago, that I've never really been a Gonzaga fan, but I might have to be this year because they're not afraid of anyone. They will play anyone. They've played Kansas. They played Auburn, who obviously is down this year. They were going to play Baylor. They played West Virginia. They're playing Iowa this coming week. They really have put themselves together in a situation where, I mean, they have such a strong non-conference schedule that they will literally – and um, Mark Few has said this before. He said publicly, he said, we'll play anyone. He's not afraid to play anyone. They'll go to they'll go to different places. They'll play true away games if they have to. They will play anyone that they can to show how good they really are. And this year it's it's worked out for them. I'm, I'm upset that the Baylor game got canceled because that would have been an awesome game. But from the games that Gonzaga has played this year – I mean, they've been the better team in every game that they've played, and I, I think that they have shown themselves to be the clear number one team in the country uh, early on this season. Yeah, definitely. Brandon, what about you? What What are some of your thoughts on this Gonzaga team? Obviously, we did talk about it a little bit last week, but what do you think about this combination of experience and, and talent that they have? Yeah, we, we talked about it some in last week's episode, which you guys should all check out if you haven't listened to it, in addition to finishing this episode. Um, but they... they they have so much talent at various levels, and that's what you need to win. You need to have some guys that are experienced. You need to have some younger guys, and it, it seems like Gonzaga is really this complete team. They're going to lose a couple games here and there, but they're going to do well in the tournament because of how experienced they are, how talented their young guys are, um, and how deep they are. they got a lot of really, really great players. Um, but let's let's move on to Illinois' Baylor, because I know, Trevor, you want to yeah. talk a little bit about this before we get into the uh, NFL. Uh, we got a quarterback tier list coming up here, which will be very fun. Um, but Trevor, why don't you break down this game a little bit before we get into that? Yeah, I'll just do it quickly here. Now, the thing that stood out to me about that this game is how hard these teams were playing. Like constantly throughout the the second half, especially, you just saw like teammates on the bench getting excited about any little thing that that they saw, like one of their teammates do. Like you would see like uh, you know someone from Baylor, like Adam Fr- Flagler or whoever it was. Uh, Davion Mitchell like make like a nice layup or maybe someone would block a shot and their their bench is going crazy like they're so excited like they're so into the game and Illinois as well like their bench was also into the game and that's that's something you always love to see especially 
uh, when you don't have fans in the stands. It's it's like almost like seeing the bench kind of like made up for it in a sense. Um, maybe not totally, but like seeing how excited the benches were getting um, after every play uh, it was just it made it such a fun game to watch. And by the end, Baylor started to pull away. It was pretty neck and neck for a while, and then Baylor pulled away. They went on a nice run. Another very talented team. I think they're definitely uh, up there with Gonzaga. Would have been fun to watch them play, but maybe they'll get to play later on because they have a lot of fun players, very talented, and and very experienced. You know, Davion Mitchell is a fantastic player. You got Macy Oteague, who's from the Cincy area. He's been very solid for Baylor the past couple of years. And, and they have some other talented young players um, that come off the bench. In Illinois, they, you know, they have Ayo DeSumo. They have Adam Miller, the freshman, who's a really good shooter. Um, so both these teams have very good uh, rosters, should have very good years. Uh, but, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else, uh, that's all I had on this game. Yeah, so let's let's get into our quarterback tier list. And he, here's how we're going to do this. This is going to be the final segment of the episode, but I, I think it's going to be a good one. We Trevor and I made our own tier list of all 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. So when we say starting quarterbacks, Dak Prescott is the starter. I'm not ranking Andy Dalton in this list. I'm ranking Dak Prescott. And we're ranking this based off of who we would want our team to win a Super Bowl. So if you take an average football team, whoever that is in your mind, and you put this quarterback on your team, um, you know, where would you rank the top 32 quarterbacks in terms of winning that team a championship, if that makes sense? Maybe, Trevor, do you have anything else to add on to that, if I didn't explain it well enough? Yeah, I mean, it's essentially just like, so you take, you know, any team. Say it's the, I don't know, the, the 49ers or the Colts. It doesn't matter. And you say, okay, who is the quarterback that gives this team the best chance of winning a Super Bowl? Who maximizes their chances? And that's basically how we're doing it. Yes. So let's let's start this off, Trevor. Um, tier one, I only have one quarterback. What's your tier one looking like? Okay, so I I put it. I did do three quarterbacks in this tier. Now Mahomes, there okay. there is separation, right? So I'm assuming you have Mahomes at one, right? Just Mahomes, just Mahomes in the tier alone. Okay, so yeah, I have Mahomes at number one, but I also did add Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson this tier in that order. I have Rodgers two, Wilson three. I think they're good enough to where they're separated from everyone else behind them. Um, you could easily like say Mahomes is one tier, and then you could have tier two with Rodgers and Wilson. But I, I just decided, no, I'm just going to put them all in the same tier. I think it's close enough. Rodgers is still very good. Um, they're all just fantastic quarterbacks, all still really good. Um, even Rodgers at his age of, I think, 36, 37, still just playing out of his mind, incredible stats this year. Um, and, and Russell Wilson, we, we know what he's done this year, even if the last couple weeks haven't been as good. So that's my tier one. Yeah, so my tier two, I have three quarterbacks, and I have Wilson, Rodgers, and Watson um, in that exact order. Wilson, two, Rodgers, three, and Watson, four. Who's, who's in your tier two? Okay, so, so that makes sense because my next quarterback is Watson, and in my tier two, I have Watson, Josh Allen, and I have Kyler Murray. Now, I, I have these three in my tier two because they're, they're all, they have something that they, that they bring to the table that I feel like the quarterbacks in the next tier don't exactly. Um, either maybe they don't have it anymore or they just don't have it in general, right? So I think 
all the all three of these quarterbacks, Watson, Allen, Murray, they're all very young. They're all very talented. Their stats are all very good if you look at it. You know, even Watson on this bad team, um, it's not a lot of it's not his fault. He's still incredibly talented. Josh Allen, we've seen what he's doing, and then Kyler Murray running and passing. Um, all of them are capable of both, uh, you know, passing and running. Where you have some of their quarterbacks who just aren't mobile at all in the next tier that that can't do that. These three quarterbacks all add, you know, the ability to scramble, run, extend plays, you know, even if they have like a, a good defense where it's like a pass rush, say it's the Rams, they can still escape plays, they can extend them. And uh, that's why I have these three in my uh, tier two. So my tier three, I have three quarterbacks and it's in this exact order. I have Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady. So I, I'm surprised I ranked Brady higher than you. This is kind of, I, I think the th- one, two, and three, really one and two, I think are kind of in their own sector in my tiers. And I think three is also kind of its, in its own sector. There's definitely a, a step down, in my opinion, to for the next four quarterbacks. It's, it's, it's not super duper far, but it is a decent step down in my mind uh, when I get to my tier four. But yeah, th- tier three, I have Kyler Murray at five, uh, Prescott at six, and uh, Tom Brady at seven. I really like Kyler Murray. I know he has not played an enormous amount of NFL games, but I've been more than impressed with his abilities. Um, even you know he has a pretty good team around him, but very very impressed uh, with what Kyler Murray has done. And you know I think he deserves the spot he got. So Trevor, who is in your tier three then? Yeah. So then I I next would have Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, and Derek Carr. So I have seven through eleven. I have five quarterbacks now. You have Derek Carr that high? Yes, I, I he's at the bottom. Oh, of the, he's he's at the bottom of that tier, but he is eleven. So it's in that order: Prescott seven, Brady eight, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Derek Carr. So you had Brady at seven, I had Brady at eight. It's interesting that I put him behind you, um, but like you know, he has obviously lost a step. Like he's forty three years old, you know. And Drew Brees, same thing. He's forty one. It makes sense. Ben Roethlisberger is getting older, but Ben Roethlisberger has actually had kind of this resurgence, which has honestly surprised me. I have to admit, um, there might be a couple Steelers fans that are listening to this podcast. I, I will give it to you. Ben Rosberg has been very good. I, I've been a doubter for a while, but he's been very good, so i got to give him some props. Prescott, uh, what, we, what we saw from last year was very strong. He's also another quarterback that has the potential to be a little mobile too. I have him at the top of this tier. Um, because of that, he's younger, he's more mobile, he can do more things. He, he checks off more boxes than I think Brady, Ben, Breeze do at this stage, and Carr even. But but Carr, I, I do think Carr is really good as well, and I have him in this tier, because I don't think Carr makes, and, and the past like week or two maybe would be contrary to this, but I don't think Carr is a quarterback who makes a ton of mistakes. I, I don't think he does anything that's absolutely like special. He doesn't. He's not going to throw a bunch of deep balls and make these amazing plays happen like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or a Mahomes. But he gets the job done. He's very solid, reliable. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think that's actually exactly what Drew Brees is right now. So I think Brees and Carr are very similar. Yeah, you lost me a little bit with the Carr and Roethlisberger this high. Um, I guess you're you're probably a little lower on than I am. Wait, what numbers would these guys be ranked? So Ben is nine for me, and Carr is eleven. And I think both of those are pretty high. I have those guys decently lower. My my tier four goes like this: at number eight, I have Drew Brees. Number nine, I have Matt Stafford. Number ten, Josh Allen, and number eleven, Ryan Tannehill. Um, I I've always liked Brees. I know people knock him for some things, but he's really a great quarterback. He's very accurate, and like you said, does not make a lot of mistakes. 
Matt Stafford's had pretty terrible teams around him his whole career and is way better in terms of talent um, than, you know, the teams actually play at. Josh Allen obviously doing his thing this year. And I'm surprised you don't have Ryan Tannehill, or, uh, you know, higher up. You know, last year really proved a lot in terms of how good Ryan Tannehill is. They have a good team around them, don't get me wrong, but it's not the world's greatest team. He doesn't have, you know, weapons out the butt. But, you know, he, he's he's a really, really great player. Um, so I, I put him at number 11 to finish off my tier four. Gotcha. Okay, so I actually had uh, Tannehill next. So I had, I had Tannehill to start okay. my next tier. I have him 12. Then I have Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow to finish out this next tier. Now, for me, it's... There, there's a difference here. So, like, Herbert and Burrow, I have at the bottom of this tier. They're both quarterbacks who came out of the gate their rookie year. Exceptional talent. Herbert has more uh, more talent around him, so his numbers look better than Burrow's. They are better than Burrow's, obviously. So you might say at the jump, like, Burrow, Herbert is definitely better than Burrow because of his uh, the numbers, but I think Burrow obviously has to deal with a much worse offensive line, much worse defense. Um, I think the talent's very similar there. They're both quarterbacks out of the gate came up playing awesome. Tannehill and Jackson, um, Jackson in particular, quarterback, phenomenal last year. Playoffs, you know, a little disappointing, and now hasn't been as good since, obviously. Yeah, you know, there's been some injury problems, um, and this year's a strange year. So I don't want to put him down too much, but Lamar Jackson was just really hard to, to place in general. I ended up placing him at 13, though. Um. So... I'm going to my tier five here. I have I have five quarterbacks in this tier, and I I'm starting off with Lamar Jackson, but I had a really tough time placing him because the next two quarterbacks I think currently I would say are playing better than him. Well, one of them is out for the year. Um, Thirteen, I have Joe Burrow. Fourteen, I have Justin Herbert. Lamar has not had a great year at all, but I mean last year was so great for him, and I think he is such a talented player. I had a really tough time placing him this year, uh, or placing him in this list. I opted to go with 12, but I, I would not be declined. Like, I, I don't hate the argument that he's lower than this. I definitely would not put him much higher. Because so I have Lamar at 12, Joe Burrow at 13, Justin Herbert at 14, Roethlisberger at 15, and Matt Ryan at 16. Roethlisberger is another one where I think you could put him up. Honestly, I, I would not hate switching Lamar and Roethlisberger here. And, like, I, I wouldn't be upset about it. It's Lamar is, I think, the hardest player to place just because last year was so amazing. One of the, you know, historically greatest seasons as a quarterback. I mean, fabulous, fabulous season. And this year he's been, I mean, well below average of a quarterback. Um, now, obviously, there's other things that contribute to that. The team has been a dumpster fire, a lot of injuries. Um, you know, they haven't been running the ball nearly as much as they used to. They haven't been throwing the ball as much as they've been used, or as much as they did last year. It's been a weird year collectively. So I had a tough time placing uh, Lamar. But it seems like we're about halfway through on both our lists. So, Ben, I'm going to throw it to you real quick, okay? Because you did not make lists. Whose list are, do you like better so far? Who whose do you think is more accurate? See, Brennan, I knew you were going to ask that question. And I, I don't know because I think there's different ways that you can measure this. Um, there's different things to look at. So I don't necessarily know who has the best list. I think I mean, I mean, think there's a lot of similarities, obviously, between your guys' lists. Um, I don't know. I, I think if, if we're just being completely honest, Brandon might be a little bit more accurate because – in tier one, there should only be one quarterback, and it should just be uh, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so I maybe Brandon, just because I would have put probably Patrick Mahomes just in a tier by himself, because I think he is. I think there's a pretty big gap between him and the next best quarterback. Um, but other than that, I mean, I can't really say because I think you guys both make valid arguments, and there's obviously different things to look at when you're when you're doing tiers. I mean, obviously you guys have both of you have different amounts of how many tiers and how many players within a tier. So I, I think it's it's an opinion it's opinion thing. So I, I can't really give a. Uh, 
uh, a who's better. But obviously, Brittany, if you're asking me, I'll just say that Trevor's better because Trevor's better than you in general. <laughs> okay, um, no, that's do enough of that. Ben, do you, so, do you Trevor, think... I was going to say... How many more tiers do you have? I have, I have only a few because um, the, the last was you know tougher for me i haven't watched them ben is there anyone though that you think we are underrating or overrating in particular like is there any kind of standouts or do you think it's been pretty fair so i will say this i wrote down the name kyler murray and i don't necessarily think you guys are overrating him obviously you guys both had him pretty high but what my thought process was if you would have told me that you had him this high going into this year i would have thought you guys are crazy because i i don't remember a whole lot from him last year obviously he played and he did a good job but i wasn't i don't remember being super impressed by him but this year, I think he's earned the spot that you guys are giving him because I've been super impressed with Kyler Murray this year from what I've seen from him. So at first, Kyler Murray, I really I thought you guys both were a little high on him. And then I went back and I thought about what I've seen from him this year. And I actually agree with you guys. I would have put him probably around the same place that both of you guys had him. So Kyler Murray is probably the biggest standout for me so far um, with where you guys had him. And really just made me think about how good he really is because I've been so impressed with how good he, he's been this last year and a half. Right. Okay, so for for the bottom half here, you know, I, I probably won't go quite as in depth. Yeah. Um, but I have my tier six here, which is seventeen through twenty-two. I have Kirk Cousins seventeen, Teddy Bridgewater at eighteen, Jared Goff at nineteen, Derek Carr at twenty, Philip Rivers at twenty-one, and Daniel Jones at twenty-two. I think these guys are all usable quarterbacks. I don't love any of them. I don't think any of them are super duper special. Um, but you know, that's kind of where I placed all six of them. Trevor. Yeah, so I think, you know, you had Stafford much higher than I did. So that's that's one thing. I think, like, it seems like Stafford and Carr are two standouts. Like, I have Carr much higher than you do. You have Stafford much higher than I do. So I have Stafford in this next tier. Um, my my or I actually have a pretty big tier here. It's Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, and Jared Goff. So that that's my next tier in that order. Um, maybe I mean I don't watch Stafford a lot, so maybe maybe I missed on Stafford a little bit. I mean, looking at the numbers here, it's it's hard for me to argue that he's better than Derek Carr. Yes, I mean yeah, he doesn't probably have as many good weapons around him uh or or a lot of a great supporting cast to help him out but i mean it's just pretty big differences here Derek Carr doesn't throw a ton of interceptions his completion percentage is much better than matthew stafford so i I think Derek Carr is better i don't think he makes a lot of mistakes i think matthew stafford does make a decent amount of mistakes so uh, that's why i would say Derek Carr would be better than him but i I have stafford at 17 and then um daniel jones i'm kind of surprised you have him i think he's uh Def- definitely worse than every other quarterback you named. I think Daniel Jones is really bad. Yeah, he, I mean, he was last. He's at 22. He was last of the ones that I've named. Um, but I'll, I'll go to my Tier 7. I have three quarterbacks in Tier 7. Number 23, I have Tua Tagovailoa. 24, I have Alex Smith. And 25, I have Garoppolo. Uh, Tua, I don't think he's been bad. I think he has a lot of talent. He just hasn't played a lot. So I didn't want to put him super high up. Um, I don't love Alex Smith. He's not horrible, and I really don't like Garoppolo that much. Garoppolo is kind of where it starts to dip down a little bit, I think. Really, the rest of the quarterbacks I'm going to name, I would not want playing on my football team at all. Okay, so th- this is my last tier. It includes all nine. Um, so, I mean, if you want, you can go with your next tier. I don't know how many you have left. Um, or I could just my say next mine. tier, I'll go with my next two tiers. Okay. I, tier eight, I have two people, Cam Newton and Gardner Minshew at 26-27. Tier 9 is Baker Mayfield all by himself at number 28. Now, the thing is, is I think Baker, a lot of these guys that are at the bottom here, I don't think are getting any better. I think Baker's the potential to get better. I don't think it'll happen, but I think that, you know, he's got a lot of weapons around him, and uh, I like Stefanski as a coach. 
So I, I could see him. Like, his, his ceiling to me is is uh, Derek Carr. I see him potentially being Derek Carr. A guy that doesn't throw the ball a lot, but doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and is usable. You're never going to win a Super Bowl with that guy. You're never even going to come close, probably. Um, but they're usable quarterbacks. You know, I had Derek Carr at 20. That's kind of where I see Baker Mayfield's ceiling. Um, so that's why I have him at 28. That's interesting. I I, I don't agree with that. I think... I think well, I have Baker a little higher than you do. Not not much, but I I don't think he is. I don't think he'll ever get the Derek Carr status. I, maybe, but the mistakes are pretty bad for Mayfield. I'm saying that's his ceiling. I agree. I'm not saying he's getting there. I'm saying that's his ceiling. That's the type of quarterback he can be if he's at his best. Is a guy who doesn't throw the ball. A yeah, lot, I guess maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right. So that would be that would be pretty amazing. I I think Baker's t- pretty terrible. So that'd be pretty amazing. Okay, so I'll just throw my order here from the last tier. It's going to go from, uh, looks like 23 to 32 I have, um, or maybe 24, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's it's uh, Gardner Minshew, Tua, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky, Sam Darnold, Alex Smith, and Drew Locke. Now, you can easily interchange, like, the order here. Like, I think they're all bad. I think this tier is, like, definitively, like, these guys are not good. Minshew at the top because like he's had at least some moments where he's been good. Um, Cam Newton as well, but Cam Newton's been really bad this year. So you can argue like maybe I could put Cam a little higher, but I, I don't know. It's it's tough. Tua is someone who he has shown a couple flashes, but he hasn't really played a lot, so it's not a lot to go off of. And then like at the bottom, just mm-hmm. you know, Darnold, Smith, Locke—they're all really bad. Darnold throws a ton of interceptions. So does Daniel Jones. Alex Smith is just, you know, old and can't really do a lot. Like, it's, you know, Andrew Locke is who I have at the bottom. But, you know, they're all really bad. So, my bottom four in this exact order, I got 29 Carson Wentz, 30 Drew Locke, 31 Sam Darnold, and 32 Mitch Trubisky. You know, I want to talk about Sam Darnold for a second. I was a believer in Sam Darnold, and, I mean, he really failed us all. I mean, he just was not good at all. Um, ben, I know you were especially probably upset at this um, due to how you know horrible he was. But you know what? I was right this on that. This is not good. And Trubisky's the worst quarter starting quarterback for sure. I got him in my last one. But I think we'll wrap up the episode for here today. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate all the listens and downloads and support that you guys have given us. Um, of course, subscribe, leave that five star review if you can. We appreciate that. And of course, follow the Twitter. Um, it's at the Small Baller, and the link is in the description. But with that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!